Ava Addison's. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. And our intent, by God's grace, mm-hmm. is to, and I mean this in the best possible way best as it possible pertains way. to exertion. We intend to wear Sherry B out today as far as like banking calls. <laughs> She's like, um. I hope you got that morning <laughs> swim in. I know we got a little bit of cold weather here in the South. Um, I just hope that you made it over to the fitness center. No, no morning swim. Well, get ready because this is going to be. This some, will warm you up. This is going to get you. So we're going <laughs> to, let me tell you what the topic is. And I'm not oh. even opening the phone lines yet. Although I will open them earlier than I normally do. Okay. Because I think that our listeners have wanted to talk to us for a long time um, about some of the things we've been talking about. And so I want to do that. But I'm going to tell here's the topic. Here's where we want to go. But 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 first. But first. But first. Mm -hmm. So Sherry B's over in Studio CC. We're going to open the phone lines. Um, If you've been kind of geared up to want to talk to us, um, just know that even if it's slightly off topic, you can do that today. Just out of respect for you and appreciation. Uh-oh. I know. I'm Is just going to. I'll allow it. Okay. Sustained. Oh, um, sustained. Um, just because you've wanted to talk to us for a while and we just haven't really had time or, you know, the show for that. So, and partly my mistake. So we're going to do that today. But let me say something about yesterday's show. Yesterday we discussed human trafficking and it is a topic that mm-hmm. I want to prepare you. We will revisit that again and again um, periodically because yeah. uh, I was informed. I yeah, learned so too. much yesterday. And we'll, you know, you and I talked about this mm-hmm. yesterday evening when we could, you know, sometimes our kids get close <laughs> and we have to kind of talk in hushed right, tones. Right, and right. Um, there was so much that we learned and there was so much that is shocking that I think the body of Christ just cannot ignore. Yeah. And um, and so we're going to do future shows on this topic um, periodically, continuing to check in, because I think that increasingly this will have to be a ministry of the church. Yeah. This will have to I be agree. something that we undertake. I was saying to Ann Reed, who was our guest yesterday uh, via email that, you know, it is true that everyone cannot do everything, but everyone should do something. Mm-hmm. And I think when we do shows like this, there are different people whom the Holy Spirit stirs mm-hmm. and those people kind of get called into action. You know, you have that thing that kind of resonates with you where you're like, I got to do something about that. Right. And I think that's how we, um, are, I would say, um, operating at our, our highest efficacy as the church when we are the body of Christ mm-hmm. and we are in operation. I mean, the church is, is supposed to be, or the gathering of the saints is for the equipping of ministry mm-hmm. so that, that the body of believers are equipped to go out and do ministry. And uh, now that it's come to our attention and is increasingly coming to our attention that there is, man, there's a, you know, a seedy world that we ignore we're unaware of, mm-hmm. um, then this becomes a ministry need of the church. Amen. And so hopefully people will arise and will not shy back, will not shrink back, um, but will be bold and uh, prayerful and yeah. that the Lord will lead them yeah. to that point. 
the show notes for yesterday's archives, if you want to get them, we've already gotten some question of people wanting specific links. Mm -hmm. So we'll just let you know that all of the information we talked about yesterday, so the safe online activity yeah. uh, from Linda Smith, that link is in the show yeah. um, notes from yesterday. Uh, also, a couple websites, at least one website and a phone number for people who are struggling with uh, p pornography addiction. Mm -hmm. That's in the show notes. So you can go and get that. If it's you or if it's someone you know, that information is available. Uh, also, we didn't put this in yesterday, but I believe it's in today. The mm -hmm. Rutherford Institute article that I referred to yesterday mm -hmm. uh, from John Whitehead, which it really was the open of the show, yeah. kind of getting some of those stats. And there were many more yeah. stats that we didn't get to yesterday. So you can go and read that article for yourself. That's in the show notes. And then also new today in the show notes uh, from yesterday's program is a trailer to a documentary, Blind Eyes Opened, um, that I think Ann said is seven years in the work in the works or yeah, seven years in the making. Yeah. Yeah. It took seven years to make and it's finally coming out. But yeah. So I watched the trailer mm -hmm. and um, it's just it's overwhelming that that movie, I think, is going to be released pretty soon. Yeah. And uh, you'll hear more about that from the American Family Association. But if you want to watch the trailer for that documentary, you can get that. All of that information you will find in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And for that, you can go to AFR.net afr.net i want to make one other announcement and then i want to set up the question of where we're going to go today okay. and um anyways uh it's operation christmas child time oh man exciting it's huh one of the most wonderful times of the year yeah right where you, you do with your family yes it's and this, awesome. this is one of my favorite aspects of this right that you get to invite your kids mm -hmm. into this opportunity to be a blessing to kids that they do not know Right. And so they get right. to dream, they yeah. get to envision and they get to imagine what it's like to be on the receiving end mm. of a gift that, you know, you don't know where it came from. You mm -hmm. don't know who. And, and now, you know, and we have not done where we put pictures in. Um, I know that you can do that now. You can put like a picture of your family and we haven't okay. done that. So you can personalize it a little bit more. I'm thinking about doing that. Um, mm. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see. You I don't know. hoodie on. My you put your <laughs> conceal my identification. Oh my goodness, you're fine. Oh no, I think you'll be okay. I don't think oh, anyone's coming no. for for you. Um, <laughs> but but this is the time that um, all across the country we are gearing up for a national pickup week. Now mm -hmm. through uh, November 25th, we talk about um, Operation Christmas Child and Pickup Week is November 18th through the 25th. November 18th through the 25th. So now is the time. Many churches are already packing shoe boxes. I was with the Ladies of Faith Baptist, uh, not this weekend, last weekend, mm -hmm. and they had all of their shoe boxes out, kind of wow. getting ready to yeah. start packing those shoe boxes. Yeah, it's speaking, a big deal. Speaking of packing, mm -hmm. I was in. I was at Faith Baptist yes. a couple weekends ago, and I want to say thanks so much to our brother Clifton. <laughs> That's a different type packing. Man. He was packing. He was packing. And, and let me just let me just tell you, he was way more than our sound and audio guy. Or I guess that's both a sound, sound and audio visual guy. Whatever. Yeah. Audio um, visual. Yeah. I just I have to tell you, I was. It was such. It was a wonderful moment. And Clifton said, "I said, man, thank you so much for being here, brother. I, I really appreciate it." Mm -hmm. I said, "And and thank you." Or having your your weapon right there, and yeah. he said, "Yep, I put this on, and then my cell phone." There you go. I like to think uh, Sherry B. 
when she had the office right Dude, behind me. Stop. <laughs> you can't reveal all oh, of our okay. secrets. Well, like, she has a different office now, so well, that's okay. People don't know where she is. Near or far. They can't see her coming. That's good. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Anyway, all right, getting back to the issues at hand. Uh, it's Operation Christmas Child Time. We are so excited about it. As we get closer, you're going to hear us doing interviews and talking about this. This is something that we get really geeked up about uh, mm. here at the American Family Association and American Family Radio. I have my Operation Child's um, Operation Christmas Child mug. Mm. And so anybody knows me knows that I collect coffee mugs. Yeah. And I, they that's need to, thing. that's my thing. Mm-hmm. I love coffee and I love coffee mugs. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm all about collecting them when I travel and go different places. And so I have one for Operation Christmas Child. Mm-hmm. And so just to kind of get into the season, mm-hmm. that's the mug from which I drank this morning. Okay. Well, Wonderful green Operation Christmas Child. So um, to learn more information, to learn more information, go to SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC, Operation Christmas Child. If you're if you're in, I feel like when we talk about this, mm-hmm. we've done this so much. I feel like so many people, this is a part of Yeah, their, they know they know what's coming. They know what it is. Right. Yeah, and that's good. That's a yeah. good thing. So if you if you don't know what this is, yeah. shoot us an email or a message or something like that. Yeah. And we'll go into more detail. You probably know, but if you don't know. Yeah. Then yeah. and and if you yeah. don't know, we will use your first and last name on air <laughs> to publicly shame you because after all of these years, if you've not That's still a new listener, you know. There's no excuse. <laughs> Just kidding, family. Samaritanspurse.org slash OCC. Samaritanspurse.org slash OCC. We may be doing a video of us stuffing boxes and going for the drop off just because that's fun. And if we do that, then we'll post it to the Erin Addison's page so you can keep up to date on that. Remember, uh, National Collection Week this year is November 18th through the 25th, November 18th through the 25th. All the questions that you might have regarding Operation Christmas Child, Mm -hmm. I believe can be answered if you go to SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. And some of those questions may be, Where's my local drop-off? What can Mm -hmm. go in the box? How do Mm -hmm. we pack a box? What other churches are in my area that are involved? All of those questions I think you'll find when you go to SamaritansPurse.org, SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. Am I forgetting anything, Will the Great? No, you're good. I think you covered it. That's great. All right. Here is our topic for today. Uh Uh-oh. And here's we're going to go into the thick of it. Have, Mm. Have people gone into the thick of it with the Addisons? That's kind of what we tend to do. So maybe yeah, people have gone yeah, into the thick of it, right? Pretty much. Why do we call it the thick of it? I mean, it's just for obvious reasons. It's where it gets a little bit like difficult to navigate. And we have this discussion and people get uncomfortable because mm-hmm. um, it's going to be a real conversation. So here is here is a question. Uh, one of the things that I'm exploring and Will agree, and I've talked about this for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I want to use some articles and some conversation to kind of paint a backdrop for the question. But here we go. Keeping the gospel distinct from politics, mm. can it be done? That's the question. That's a good question. That's the question. Keeping the gospel distinct from politics, can it be done? Now, I have been thinking about this, and I have, I've talked about this. We've talked about this on the morning show, and uh, we've seen a lot of moves mm-hmm. from, and it depends on the direction that it's coming, Right. So on the liberal side, you've got liberals who are attacking Christians and saying, if you voted for President Trump, you have betrayed your morals, Mm. right? That you have lost your relevance as it pertains to Christianity. Right. Um, I don't know if you have any friends that you have lost or those who have distanced themselves from you Mm -hmm. um, after the election of President Trump, especially if they were aware of how you voted. 
Um, but we do. We have some people who, um, you know, pulled back, didn't interact yeah. as much because things kind of changed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You can tell that. Yeah. And what I found, though, was that Christians, not everybody. And so mm-hmm. I don't want to paint with a huge, broad brush. Mm-hmm. But I, I found a significant amount of Christians were all or nothing. They were either we are 100 percent pro the president because there is so much slack that he's taken from all other directions. Right. And and so we are willing to sever these relationships. We don't care about giving a robust defense for the gospel Mm. in light of how we voted. We're just like, no, we're all in. Right. Mm. There are some Christians who kind of fell into that category. Right. Then there were other Christians who weren't even interested in a defense if you would offer one. Mm. They didn't care. It was sort of like, here is what the public narrative is. Here is what the story is. Here is why we should all hate this president and distance ourselves from him. And so we don't care what you have to say as a Mm -hmm. Christian as to why you would vote for this person. I have said repeatedly that since president, go ahead. No, I'm just thinking as the person that I call never Trumpers. Never Trumpers. And and again, and that's what I was about to pivot into. Okay. I have said, no, but I'm glad you said that because I've, I've said repeatedly that a never Trumper, once the president was elected, is irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. That you that's, that that's, makes that's no over. sense to me. Right. You know, now you can continue on with your criticism and all of that, but you do it from a disingenuous place a disingenuous place. Well, now to it seemed like just to shame or to make someone feel guilty. Yes, I think so. You know. So but here's the problem. Here's what I have um noticed um since November 2016, or and it kind of builds momentum, it kind of grows, right? That there is an inability on the part of Christians to give their very best effort to defend the gospel first. Mm. So it seems that maybe in the second term of President Obama, I don't know, you know, but certainly in the in the era of Trump, it seems that it's become, and I mentioned this before, really popular to talk about politics. And then everyone has sort of found their political voice. Yeah. And this is not a knock against civic engagement. We right. want that. Right. We absolutely want that. Right. But I find that it is actually easier and some people enjoy more getting into the throes of political debate mm. than they do a robust defense of the gospel. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Today, I want to challenge our listeners on that. Okay. I want to challenge all of us to give a robust defense for the gospel first. Mm -hmm. And we've kind of already made this, you know, our, I guess, jumping off point Mm -hmm. that you defend the gospel first. You talk about the truth of who Jesus Christ is and what he requires, what he's done for us and what he requires and has the right to require because of what he's done. Mm -hmm. And then from there, all your civic engagement makes sense with little to no defense. Yeah. Yeah. Little to no defense. All right, we're on the outside, so that means we have to go in. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Thank you for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. That's not lucky. I'm loved. Jonathan McReynolds. 
So, I, you know, I love church history, and mm-hmm. I enjoy reading church history, and there's so much that I glean from um, the long-suffering of God with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as you look at church history, you can see how the Lord really suffers long with us. And a lot yeah. of the things that we experience now have once been experienced in the church. We have faced conflict. We have faced mm-hmm. disagreement. We have faced factions. We have faced false teaching. Right. We have faced um, sort of our faith becoming um, a government institution. Mm. Hmm. And hint, hint, it took us about 1,200 years to break free from that. Yeah. We call that the Protestant Reformation. Yeah. But I think many of us don't realize that what finally necessitated the Protestant Reformation began as um, Christians filled with joy that for once uh, in in the first four centuries of the history of the church, they were no longer persecuted. Now they were Mm. celebrated and protected. And of course, if you know a little bit about your church history, I'm talking about Constantine's Edict of Toleration um, issued in 313 AD. Up until this point, The Christian church, um, you think the first century church, this would be the accounts that we read in Acts, and then second, third, and fourth century, right up until we get to 313 AD. And this is fascinating. If you go back and you read this history, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is our history. I I personally, this is my commentary, I think this should be the most important history to the believer. The history of the church and how God has guided and protected the church being true to his his word, right? And I say this all the time, mm-hmm. but it's so important for us to understand that the Lord said that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. When you read church history, you get a big picture of this. Mm. You understand that um, God's protection of the church or the gates of hell not prevailing against the church have not been because the gates of hell have not tried. Right, right. <laughs> yes. right? So right. the gates of hell have tried, mm-hmm. but the Lord has been faithful and um, you know the gates of hell have not prevailed. And so you get to 313 AD and you have this edict of Constantine where suddenly the church moves from this place where, um, and it would be sporadic in the history of the church, you know, second century, third century, um, it would be sporadic and you'd have, you know, kind of localized persecution. Then you have the Emperor Diocletian who was like the worst right before you get to Constantine, not exactly before, but um, as as far as emperors go, Mm -hmm. uh, Diocletian made persecution of Christians um, just like empire wide. Mm. And and I, I do a presentation on this where I kind of walk through what that looks like and why the church was persecuted. It's fascinating mm-hmm. because there are a lot of parallels in what we see happening today. But getting to Constantine and what Constantine did in 313 AD made the church eternally grateful, <laughs> right? So the church moves from, it's like we started at the bottom and right, right, now we're here. Right. You know what I mean? The church goes from, the bottom rung, mm-hmm. um, being persecuted and loss of property and loss of life to now all of a sudden, because Constantine believed that he saw a picture of a cross and 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 the words that, that indicated he would be victorious in the name of this cross. Now he wants to align himself with these Christians. And it's very interesting because, you know, people say the first Christian emperor Uh, Constantine himself took a long time before he professed to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. He had respect and an affinity for the Christians because he believed that the Christians, God gave him victory Mm -hmm. and it was his reason, the reason for his ascent to to the throne. Um, But he took a while to actually profess being a Christian. 
and then ultimately even waited until he was near death to be baptized because he believed that baptism cleansed him of all his sins. <laughs> and the reason for that was because of the way he behaved in his personal life, yeah. that he was not upright, right? right? So why <laughs> am I saying all of this? I'm saying all of this because the church, now I look at this as our history. Yeah. Okay, I don't, I don't care where it takes place. I look at one church, mm-hmm. right? One called out group of people. And so I'm saying all of this because I'm saying when you look at the history of the church and what we endured, what happened after 313, and it took about 10 years, it took about 10 years, you get to 323, where you start to see a shift happening in where, where the church loses its distinction mm. and it becomes, it becomes the, the religion of the Roman Empire, mm. right? And then what happens is that everyone decides, well, because, well, I say everyone, but many people decide because Christianity is so favored and, you know, because these um, pastors or these, as they would be called, priests are getting all of these tax breaks. These people are not, you know, it's good to be a Christian. Mm. (laughs) So we all are Christians around here. Mm. Now, one of the things I said, and and I, I thought it was so important for us to recognize this after 2016, there was so much talk and people said, um, people said, President Trump is remaking the Republican Party. They said he has shaken things up. The Republican Party will never be the same again. He's gone in with his own rules. He's done it his way. He has done exactly, I mean, without, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and that was like a huge thing. And everybody yeah. loved that. You yeah. know, people were, were tired of being told who we are, who we aren't, what we can say, what we can't say. So the president comes in and he's like, okay, you guys aren't going to say it. Well, I'm going to say it, mm-hmm. right? Right. And when the president is speaking factually and when the president is not being pushed around, I think we admire that, right? We were like, okay, it kind of helps us all to find our voice. Right. But there were times where the president spoke crudely. Mm-hmm. And what surprised me was Christians' inability to stand up and say, no, we don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the belief was if we say anything negative, right. then it doesn't look good for us politically. Right, right. So then the wow. tension is, yeah. well, what matters more? Do mm. our politics matter more or the gospel? Mm. So do we maintain our distinction or do we say, well, hold on a second. We are existing in a period of safety. Mm-hmm. This this harkens back to Constantine, right? This this harkens back to the Christians now are favored. Mm-hmm. And and now everything is kind of moving in their favor. We don't want to mess that up. And so the result of that, in fact, there's a book, and I would recommend that people read it. You can probably go look it up and find it. It's an old book. Um, I, I read it many years ago and then had to reread it because I just love history. And so it's always great to go back to it. But it's the story of the Christian church. It's written by a man named Jesse Lyman Hurlbert. Hurlbert. And um, anyway, I'll put a link to that. Not necessarily the book. I don't know if you can find a link to that, but I'll put the title of the book in the show notes. And I was looking at this again. And one of the things that's shocking to me is how much the church changed because it became the favored religion of Rome. Wow. It became the religion of Rome, right? So you have pagans coming into the church, not necessarily giving up paganism, but wanting the favor and the acceptance and what it means to have all of these privileges of being a Christian, right? Mm. And so one of the things that, that I think for us as Christians in 21st century America, we need to be um, unapologetic about yeah. is the defense of the gospel first. Amen. So if there is something that doesn't line up with scripture, 
We need to take the time, invest the time where we say, no, that's inconsistent with a biblical profession of faith, okay? Um, But that does not change what the president has done um, to protect religious liberty. I mean, to change the appellate court. Oh, my goodness. I mean, this president, like, no one before him is doing some crazy, amazing things in the lower courts, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, he is probably the most pro-life president that we have ever had. Amen. You know, and that's when you hold him up against those who have lived the most pristine lives, (laughs) who dot all of the I's and cross all of the T's. However... If the president is vulgar when he speaks, and I'm, I'm thinking recently the president came to Tupelo. Yeah. And I got to tell you, one of the things that concerned, because you and I, we were watching and uh, trying to run errands, and we had the, the little littles with us. Right. And so we we're watching and, and, and on our phone and trying to watch. And the president, um, to our chagrin, dropped many, many vulgar words. Mm. And here's the thing that really concerned me that right here in my town where I live, where I know on any given Sunday, so <laughs> many of us are going to be in church, people were cheering, mm-hmm. cheering as he cussed, cheering as he, you know. And I go, wait a minute, you got to maintain your distinction. So when the president goes through his list of accomplishments and when the president says what he's done, man, we should be on our feet. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. yes, you've done that. that. Yes, we, right. I mean, and, and look, and I, I look, I want somebody to look around at me and think I'm crazy. Yes, <laughs> that's what I elected him to do. Right. So anybody who asked me why I voted for the president, I can, I can give you a list of what the president is doing and saying this is what I elected him to do. Yeah. So I'm going to mark that satisfied. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Or at Chick-fil-A, extremely satisfied, <laughs> right? Because he's doing what I elected him to do. Right. He's doing what I hoped he would do. But at the same time, if the president, as a professing Christian, speaks in a way that is inconsistent with his profession of faith, Christians should say, no, you know, that's not that's not what we believe yeah. is prudent speech for a president. Well, I think because, you know, we have a lot of times become so political in nature that we feel like those things can get a pass because of the good things that have been done over, over on this side. You know, so it's like, ah, uh, that's not nitpick because everybody's going to like try to jump on that. We, we're, we're winning over here. Yeah. Yeah. Know? So let me tell you what my problem is. And I think that's exactly where we, where we tend to fall. Mm-hmm. So here was my problem with that. Will the great, my problem with that is, and, and there may be some Republicans who have a problem with what I'm about to say. And I understand that I actually am totally fine with president Trump shaking up the Republican establishment and shaking up uh, the Republican party mm-hmm. and making them go back to the drawing board. Are you going to stick with the party platform? Because believe it or not, that's mm. what the president has done. Mm-hmm. The president, as 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 wild as people would, would say that he is, mm-hmm. he has actually gotten closer to the party platform than any of the, the people that have been put up to run mm-hmm. for the Republicans, right? Mm-hmm. He's gotten as close to the party platform, I think, as anyone could get. Mm-hmm. But my thing is, I'm totally fine with the president coming through and just reshaping and, and just moving things in the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. I'm not okay with that, with the gospel, with Christianity. Mm. I'm not okay with people saying, well, that's a Christian. That's what, that's what we do, because that's not what we do. That's, true. that's not how that's we right. respond in certain situations. Like, you don't have to. I was reading an article by um, one, of our, one of our writers here, our staff writers, uh, Rebecca Grace, and I may put a link to that in the show notes. And I shared it on my Facebook page. 
And she was, it paints such a wonderful picture how she got up the morning that President Trump was coming and she put on her pearls and mm-hmm. she and her husband and they're taking their son and I think her son is nine and they're going to the Trump rally and, and she had already prepared him that maybe there'll be a word or, or two, mm-hmm. you know? And so she was like, okay, we're going to have to, I just want to caution you. Right. But she writes in the article how in the 90 minute speech, and, and I want to say something too, and I hope that Christians understand where I'm coming from. Let me, let me, let me also say this. When President Trump interacts in the black context, mm-hmm. when, when you remember Omarosa, you remember yeah, her? Yeah, I remember her. <laughs> <laughs> when President Trump goes into quote unquote black settings, mm-hmm. i.e. the black church that he went to, you mm-hmm. know, with, with, I guess, Omarosa's leadership, right. I don't know. Um, the president doesn't speak like that. He doesn't talk like that. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that I'm challenged with is, why? And I think it's because, well, there is a respect mm-hmm. for that audience that that black Christians, mm-hmm. black churchgoers are not going to be OK with that kind of language. Mm-hmm. And so I step back and I go, well, wait a minute. What is it about a white rally, if you will, where yeah. there's Christians that I can just let it rip? I can just, you know, and I won't even I want to allude to some of the words because wow. it would offend you if you're listening with your kids mm-hmm. that Christians who are white would applaud that, would Man. clap for that, and that would be okay. And as you're saying that, and I only saw clips, I'll have to go back and listen to more. But he just spoke to the uh, black voices for Trump, and it didn't seem like it was that type of language. I'll have to go back and listen to it, to, you know, because I didn't listen to it piece by piece. But that's a point that I'm making in my mind. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm hmm. going to, this that's is, this, let me just say this. The gospel must remain distinct from politics. Amen. Now, as a Christian, man, I'm fully engaged. Yeah, I'm paying attention to, to what's happening in politics. Right. I am voting. I'm encouraging people to vote their conscience. I'm actually encouraging Christians to vote according to what the gospel Amen. spells out for us. Amen. This is how we live. And there's, man, there's no daylight between that. Like we right. shouldn't, we, I, I always tell people, if you're talking to a liberal, man, go with the gospel first. Yeah. Go with the gospel first because you leave them scratching their head. For example, man, I got this article here. <laughs> My goodness. I was told that I could share it with all the information. I really <laughs> did. I got permission because I never want to. I'm not trying to, you know, upset people. But this was this was handed to me. And so I went and got some permission. This is the paper mm-hmm. for the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Yeah. OK, this is the church paper. Yeah. And this is the church paper from July mm-hmm. of this year, from July of this year. I'm going to start reading for you. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm going to start at the first paragraph here. I want you to listen. So this will be considered, quote unquote, black church. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is why I'm saying the gospel must remain distinct from politics. You're going to hear in this mm-hmm. political posturing. Yeah, definitely. OK, this is this is this is called, quote unquote, black political posturing. <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry. I know I'm Mickey's not. I'm not PC, guys. I know. I'm, and it takes a little bit of adjusting. I, I you know. So but this that's what it is. Yeah. All right. So here we go. In 2019, this is from the, the, the black church newspaper. Mm-hmm. In 2019, Utah, Ohio, Kentucky, Mississippi, Arkansas, Georgia, Alabama and Missouri have passed the most restrictive abortion laws in history with Louisiana, Oklahoma and Texas in the queue. It's only May. Wait for it. White conservative evangelical Christian men in red state legislatures 
are proposing and passing these unconstitutional abortion bills on so-called moral and spiritual grounds to challenge the 1973 Supreme Court decision of Roe versus Wade that legalized abortion nationwide. Now, I hear the music, so I know we got to go to the break here. Mm -hmm. But do you see how now you have allowed politics to usurp the gospel Mm -hmm. and you can find a political position against defending and protecting life and even add to it a racial element? Crazy. Crazy. Guys, the gospel must be protected. Amen. All right, we'll grab the break. Hey, 888-589-8840. We'll open the phone lines. 888-589-8840. We'll be right back. But we can see where we're going. <laughs> Hello, we can see where we're it. going. Oh we can goodness. see. We can see just fine. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on uh, American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> uh, the phone lines are open. You can comment on anything I'm saying. I, I got a, a, a few more um, bits of information to bring in, but I can weave that into your calls. Um, 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. The question is, Keeping the gospel distinct from politics, can it be done? Mm. And are we doing the best job? And and here's my reason for asking that. Um, although I talked to someone, um, I talked to someone who talked to a pollster that we respect, mm-hmm. who said that he had some concern about 2020. Um, that would have been my first time hearing something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I feel like I feel pretty good about 2020. Yeah. My question is, okay, so what happens after um, to our testimony? And you know that's what the I mean? thing, we, we, lose, yeah. we lose our, what I call our prophetic voice mm-hmm. if we are co-opted by, you know, any political that's system. That's right, that's right. You know, right. as the church. There's got to always you, be you that, that tension. Yeah. You, you've got to always maintain that tension and be able to speak up and say, I disagree with that, but that I agree with. I disagree with that 100%, that I agree with 100%. And there's no mincing words when we do that. All right, right. let's go to the phone lines, 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go first? Let's go to Josh in North Carolina. Hi, Josh. Hello, Will. How's it going? Good, good. Uh, I was just going to say that uh, I was raised an atheist. Um, I'm from Seattle, Washington, and I got saved when I was 19 when I was uh, living with some roommates that were all uh, Christians. Mm-hmm. And I gradually became more conservative, but I was actually uh, I was a Democrat um, up until I was probably 20 or 21. And uh, I moved down to the south um, here in North Carolina, and I noticed that there are a lot of people here that are cultural Republicans that are not actually Christian at all. They don't <laughs> go to church. They don't have a. They don't profess uh, faith oh, at man. all. But they just are. They they are Republican because it's just kind of the area they grew up in. It's what they know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's just because of the Second Amendment or lower taxes or what, but it's just kind of like a cultural thing over here. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first thing I was going to say. Um, the second thing I was going to say was that, like, um, the reason that we're worried about the 2020 election is because um, they really – there's a lot of ballot stuffing mm-hmm. um, in the 2016, which is why the Democrats thought they had it in the bag, mm-hmm. which is why they lied about the polls on CNN and said that Hillary had 90% chance to win. <laughs> 
is because, yeah, we're going to cheat at the polls. Mm -hmm. And there was proof. There are YouTube videos of people, um, you know, uh, campaigning for Hillary at polling booths, which is illegal, um, and a bunch of other things that were happening um, that were completely controlled by the deep state Mm -hmm. in order to push their agenda. And I believe that devil worshipers vote Democrat and Christians tend to vote Republican. But not everybody that votes Democrat is a uh, devil worshiper. They're just simply cultural Democrats because it's the way they grew up and it's that they have the values that they most lean toward, such as, um, you know, they want to be softer on immigration and, you know, be kinder and compassionate. And all those things are great. Well, handouts, handouts. (laughs) I'm just going to I'm just going to say it straight, Josh. That's what we're talking about. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say Republicans have always been the, the party of freedom and not free stuff. And we've seen a cultural shift of caring more about, you know, the freedom just to live and have a life. And then it stopped being about that because um, we got more and more free as a people, you know. And, um, you know, we fought for it in 1776 and we've been fighting for, you know, more individual freedoms every time they get taken away from us. Uh, and now it's about free stuff because freedom... Yeah isn't enough. Now we want free stuff and we're actually willing to sacrifice freedoms for it, uh, which is very, very dangerous. Yeah. Josh, thank you so much for calling. I really appreciate your, your balanced comments there. I think striking on both sides, I think that he's right. And the point that he brings up and that the way people tend to vote Mm -hmm. politically is cultural. It is something that is passed down. Um, We know people who are just, they're (laughs) Democrats because that's what they've been told to be. And same thing for Republicans. Yeah. And I yeah. and I I absolutely love the point that Josh was making that there are people who are politically active who are Republicans and they're not Christian. Mm-hmm. They are conservative politically mm-hmm. speaking. The Christian will do well to know the difference between the two and get the gospel to them. Amen. You know, like we need to know how to do that. All right, Amen. Will the Great, where do we go next? Let's go to Don in Texas. Hi, Don. Hey, Will. Hey. Hey, Mickey. Hey. How are y'all doing? Good. Great. Good. Hey, I was gonna I was gonna uh, make a comment on the. The, the profanity, mm-hmm. because like here in Abilene, I have a, a, a street ministry. I do Cairo's prison ministry, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and so a few years ago, a guy I worked with, we was talking to each other and he goes, you know, if people heard us talking and didn't know us, they'd say, you're not a Christian because of the way you talk. Mm-hmm. So we became each other's accountability partner on that. And, and I have, I don't use profanity anymore. Mm-hmm. Praise and God. So, you know, and so some of these guys like we'll be in a Kairos and we'll be talking and they'll come over and they'll talk to me and they'll use profanity talking to me and it completely conflicts with my spirit. Mm-hmm. And I had a guy, you know, I do a recovery group at the Robertson. It's a maximum security prison out here at Abilene. And uh, the guys in that group, I've been doing it for four years. They don't use profanity in there. And I'll have a guest speaker come talk. And it's like they, and it's mostly white guys, right? They, mm-hmm. It's like they think they have to use profanity to fit in with that group of men. Mm. You know, and let me let, oh, the, yeah. go ahead, Don. I'm sorry. It's, it's to the point that when the next week when I go in there, they'll say, man, that guy was really cussing. These convicts are telling me, man, that guy was really cussing a lot. We <laughs> wow. can't believe, you know. So, I mean, that's a big deal. It's our testimony. It's part of our testimony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about testimony, and we have to guard that with, with everything. And the way we talk, the way we present ourselves Amen. is everything. Amen. Our testimony to represent Christ everywhere we go. Amen. Brother Don, thank you so much. I, look, I appreciate that because here's we are representatives of Christ. 
Yeah. Right. And let me say this, too, because I, I didn't know that I didn't know exactly where Don was going. But as he was talking, this thought came to mind. The difference between justification and sanctification. Mm. Um, we have been with people because we disciple people. Right. Yeah, and discipleship is dirty work. Yeah. So when you disciple people, you will notice that that person is converted. They have come to Christ. That's right. But their sanctification is a process. Right. So whereby they, they are cleaning up mm-hmm. their old habits and those things that used to be what could be described as strongholds. They are working out their salvation, right. not earning their salvation. Right. But they are learning to live as faithful followers of Christ. And I think that what's important for people to understand at this point, too, is that what we are not saying is that. Oh, well, the president has claimed to be a Christian. He is not a Christian because listen to his mouth. No, look, James Dobson said that he talked to the president personally and presented the gospel. James Dobson said the president accepted and believed and understood the gospel and said, yes, I'm a Christian. Look, based on his profession of faith, what I am saying is that now that's a discipleship issue. Right. So as the church, what we don't say is, well, that's just the way he is. Mm. Now, there are some people who are going to say that, but those people are mainly just in it for the conservative win. And I'm going to tell you something. You don't love the president. You're using him. (laughs) If you really consider the president to be a brother in the Lord and you're like, well, that's all right. Just get him. Just win. You don't love him. You love you. Right. And you just want to win. So what I'm saying is we cheer the president on. We we stand with the president, all that he's doing that is right. But if he is a brother and our brother is not called to a higher standard mm-hmm. than the selfishness on the part of the church. Let's go back to the phone lines. 888-589-8840. There's a difference between justification and sanctification. And we have to know that. Let's go to Scott in Arkansas. Hi, Scott. Hey there. How you guys doing? Thanks so, for taking my call. All right. Uh, I just wanted to make a point about uh, Trump's profanity and the fact that, from my perspective, all of the things that Trump has done, the pathological lying, the way he's demonized immigrants, the way he's cozied up and and praised murderous dictators, the wink and nod and dog whistles to white nationalists, the fact that where evangelicals want to draw the line is profanity just shows me how much the movement has sold their soul to have a place at the, the, the power of the table of power with this administration. And to think that Trump cares about evangelical values or is a practicing Christian is a joke. He is using evangelicals because he needs you for the vote to be in power. And that's my comment. The fact that that's where you draw the line just shows me how morally bankrupt the evangelical movement is in this country. Well, I appreciate you calling, Scott, but, you know, it's actually a little bit kind of uninformed on where our position is to say that the line is drawn just (laughs) at cursing. Like, I mean, that's that's one of the articles that I'm referring to. Mm -hmm. But let me say this. Whenever we see something that does not comport with Scripture, because we are not drawing the line. The evangelical Christian is not drawing the line. The line is drawn by the word of God. We refer to the, the word of God as the straight edge. But I will say this. There was a little bit of hyperbole in your comments there, Scott. Like there's a there's a little bit of exaggeration that he has demonized immigrants. No, I think what sometimes you hear is the president not mincing words over who's crossing into our country illegally right, right. and what they seek to do and how they are undermining our sovereign borders. Mm-hmm. And that is right for him to do. As the leader of our country, that is right for him to do. Now, look, I will say this. It is no secret what the president's past is. Mm-hmm. But as I understand it, and, and look, I have not talked to the president personally, but I will say this, Scott, if, if I'm talking to you and you tell me that you're a Christian, 
I am going to have to take your word at that, that, that you are a Christian. Now, if you do something that does not appear to be in line with your profession, then I would say, hey, you know, I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of inconsistency there. Right. That is what I'm calling Christians to today. Yeah. So please understand yeah. what it is that I'm doing here. <laughs> what I am calling Christians to is a defense of the gospel. gospel. That's, right. That's what I'm calling Christians to. It's not being uncomfortable because there's cussing. So I, I hope that I hope that you won't continue to miss my point here. But let's go to the next caller, Will the Great. Let's go to Robert in Mississippi. Hey, Robert. How you doing, Will? Doing good. Uh, you have an amazing wife. I Thank you. you that. Uh, I got a couple of quick points. Uh, I believe uh, Mickey referred to uh, powerful white evangelical men passing strict abortion laws mm-hmm. uh, in some of our more conservative southern states. And I just wanted to say, if uh, regardless of color, if somebody puts in a law that is going to save children uh, from this awful uh, thing we call abortion, mm-hmm. uh, and, and we know it targets greatly the African-American community, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's a beautiful thing. If they can cut that back any and save any lives, mm-hmm. then it's a wonderful thing regardless of color. Yeah. So, now, Robert, uh, do you know the context? Were you able to hear the context of those comments? I'm just curious. Because if not, I want to restate it. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Okay. So the context of that, I was reading an article from a predominantly black denominations newspaper. And what I'm, what I'm trying to do here, and maybe I'm failing at it. What I'm trying to do is show that the gospel cannot be co-opted by politics because when it is, then you have articles like this, Mm -hmm. whereby you have a black man who says that white powerful men are trying to, you know, stifle the rights of, of, of women. Right. Okay. So they're making this a political conversation when if you strip all of the political talk away from it, you have a man who's saying women should murder their babies. Right. I'm using that to slice down the middle and show how on both sides it's to our folly and our shame mm-hmm. that Christians don't stand up and defend the gospel. Look, I, in defense of the gospel, am in support of our sovereign borders. Mm-hmm. I'm not putting the gospel on the back burner to say, look, it is, nations are the Lord's idea. Right. I wish people would understand. I wish if read Acts 17. Read what Paul said at every Apicus up on Mars Hill. Mm-hmm. Read how he talked about the sovereignty of God and determining the borders of people's habitation. That's right. I mean, come on. It presupposes that there would be borders mm-hmm. and that the Lord would decide if you would live within those borders. Paul, by the spirit of God, even goes so far as to say that the Lord decided not only where you would live, <laughs> but when you would live. And it has an express purpose. And people miss that. The purpose is so that they would seek for God and find him. Amen. Amen. So now, look, when you make the United States of America the end all, be end all, and that's the only way that people can get the gospel, then, of course, your open borders, borders flood this country. Because the only thing we're trying to give people is their best life now. But if we believe that the word of God is true, then we say the gospel can get to wherever people are inside their countries. Why do I believe that? Because the word of God teaches me that the Lord has decided, has determined where and when people would live, that they would seek him. Amen. So there's a little bit of American arrogance to think that, oh, we got to open our borders. If not, people won't be helped. It shows a little bit of elitism that we don't realize is showing 
when we talk like that. But when we lead with the gospel, we say God is sovereign and he has determined where every man should live and the time that that man should live in. This then becomes a defense and an apologetic for the gospel, not closed borders. <laughs> Guys, when I tell you, if we defend the gospel, we have to put very little effort into politics. Very little. Amen. Know your book. Know your book. If a man won't work, he shouldn't eat. Know your book. In Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, he said this. That's not racism. Right. <laughs> Know the gospel, my friends. Amen. Amen. Politics can come after that. You can keep up with the pundits, right. but know the gospel and stand on that. Amen. We're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.